All right, so this fall we are talking about the mission of God and specifically what his ministry looks like through us as we're in our communities um, trying to do his work along with him. Uh, Charles started us off several weeks ago talking about the incarnation, right? So that's God becoming flesh and entering into our world. Um, a couple of weeks later, Paul talked, us, talked about people of peace. So these are people that are receptive to the message of God, that his peace resides with them, um, and that, uh, that are fun to be around. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Galen was here, and he spoke to us about emergent prayer. And he said that everything that we do, everything that we do in the mission of God, comes out of prayer. It comes from a place of prayer. And one of the examples he used was Jesus, who before he did any of the great stuff that he did, would go off and go by himself and spend time in serious, deep prayer. Um, and so continuing on with this, we're going to talk about one of these things that comes out of those experiences of prayer, and that is hospitality, what we're calling generous hospitality. Uh, and so before we really, really get into this, and what I always do when I'm given a topic like this, uh, is I want to I get a good working definition for the word. Um, so I've got the word printed up here as if you would see it in a dictionary, broken out into syllables, because I'm whatever. So when, I, when I'm looking at these words, and, and I've kind of become a little bit of a word nerd, I like to know the etymology of a word, the history, its origin. Where did it come from? Um, this one's kind of interesting. It comes from a Latin word, uh, hospice, right, which is the Latin word for host or guest or more generally stranger. What's interesting is that that word comes from another Latin word, because that's how Latin works. Hostis, H-O-S-T-I-S, which means stranger or enemy. Right? And so if you look at these two words, you can see where we get a lot of English words from. Words like hospitality, hospital, hotel, host. But we also get our word hostile, H-O-S-T-I-L, from it. And it's really interesting. Both of these words mean stranger, but depending on which way it goes, uh, it's determined by how we treat them. Are they a stranger and our enemy? Are they a stranger and um, our guest? So, anyway, I just, I just find that interesting. I also wanted to go to a dictionary and look it up. And again, I've, I've got this like weird fascination with old dictionaries. So if you ever go to Google and you type in the word and you like get the googledictionary.com definition, it's kind of bland, it's kind of dry, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's what it means. But I've, I've learned that if you go back to, like, dictionaries from 100 years ago, like, like Webster, actually written by Webster, um, this, this, this guy was trying to go through and catalog all of the words that Americans were speaking and to describe, like, as best as he could, the essence of what, how these words were being used. And so check this out. Uh, this is from the 1828 uh, Webster's American Dictionary. The after practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality. Um, so receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward. It adds that just, he adds just that little bit extra, very important bit of meaning. And so we have this idea of hospitality. And I'm sure it's a very common English word. It means a lot of different things. And since we're at tables right now, what I'd like to do is just take a couple of minutes to get with your group at your table and uh, take, take two minutes and just talk about what does hospitality mean to you? 
and then I'll call on uh, some groups and, and get you to share. So take two minutes right now. Really quickly, let me get just a couple of people, um, just uh, high level here. What 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 are some things that came out of? What does hospitality mean to you? I do want to address this just a little bit, because I think very often when you talk about hospitality, um, you get we, you get in mind something that's more akin to what we call our hospitality industry. Um, and this is a superlative example of that. You've got, you know, fine food and the greatest drinks and the best entertainment and the most engaging conversation, the, the best service. And, you know, opening up your home and throwing big parties and letting people come over and just giving and giving and giving and sharing. And it's a great and fun and over the top uh, event. And for me, that's just quite frankly exhausting. Um, I know people who that form of hospitality comes very naturally to them. Um, That are just they naturally are very sharing and very, you know, I mean, you know, let me let me take a moment and Chris and affirm you um, and, and another plug for Korea Fest. You know, but 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 for me, that kind of that that level of that version of hospitality, just I can do it maybe once in a year. And it, but it's just it's just a very, very draining. And I wonder, is that what the kind of thing that. Is, as a follower of Jesus, is this what we're called to do? And again, based on our conversations already, I, I see that we already know that there's something a little bit different here. I want to take a look at a different picture of hospitality. Let me change my background here. Um, and let me read you this story about Jesus. So a Pharisee asked Jesus to dine with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. A woman from the town, a known bad character, discovered that he was there at table in the Pharisee's house. 
She brought an alabaster jar of ointment. Then she stood behind Jesus' feet, crying, and began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. The Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was going on. If this fellow really was a prophet, he said to himself, he'd know what sort of woman this is was touching him. She's a sinner. Simon, replied Jesus, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, he replied. Once upon a time, there was a moneylender who had two debtors. The first owed him 500 dinars, the second a tenth of that. Neither of them could pay him, and he let them both off. So, which one of them will love him more? The one he let off the more, I suppose, replied Simon. Quite right, said Jesus. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, You see this woman? When I came into your house, you didn't give me water to wash my feet. But she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet from the moment I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. So the conclusion I draw is this. She must have been forgiven many sins. Her great love proves it. But if someone has been forgiven only a little, they will love only a little. So, I I was just doing the Google image search trying to find a picture to go along with this, but I really, really like this picture. I want to spend a little bit of time looking at it to see all the things that are going on. So this is a painting that represents that story that I just uh, read for you. And the first thing I want to point out, look at, look, at, look at the stuff going on here at the top. You've got the servants carrying around all the stuff. You've got one guy carting off dirty dishes. You've got another guy bringing food. This guy looks like he's carrying a peacock. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> but you get the sense that this is like a really big, fancy, uh, well-orchestrated dinner party. Okay? Now, check these guys out. Here's the table. We've got Jesus over here on the end. Um, and here are the other Pharisees. And... Just, just look at some of their faces, right? Like, check out, check out this guy with. I'm hoping that I don't know if those are ears or facial hair or what. He's got his glasses and he's like reading something on the back of his neck. I don't know what's going on there. This one in the center here, he's, he's got this look on his face. It's kind of hard to see on the He's like, what? I don't know if that's like a hat or his like hair or what. But he's also kind of got this weird, weird look on his face. And I think Simon is sitting right next to Jesus. He's kind of throwing up a little bit of his nap. <laughs> These are the hosts of the party that have invited Jesus over. And you can tell they're like trying to figure him out. They have, you might say, an ulterior motive in inviting him over. You know, they're showing him a good meal. They've got servants and stuff going on. Uh, he had a couple of nitpicks with the, the foot washing service and the kisses, but you know, whatever. But but you can tell from their attitude that they're there to feel him out, right? What's his deal? Is he one of us? Could he be one of us? Maybe 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 he maybe he could be a Pharisee. He said some stuff that we kind of agree with. Let's check him out. Let's feel him out and see what his deal really is. Um, and then of course at the bottom is your woman. Look at her face. It looks kind of sad, but I think the word that I would choose would be tenderness on her facial expression and her feet. Let's actually, uh, I think I've got a couple more pictures to squeeze on here. Yeah, 
I got a, I got another funny face picture. I just you seriously, you just type uh, Luke seven thirty six. Type it into Google and search. You get all kinds of stuff. And uh, yeah, so I love I love this one because of these hand gestures. Like the guy with the funny hat, and he's like, who's <laughs> <laughs> got a funny hat and two thumbs? I, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. But but again, you see in their faces that they're they're perplexed, they're confused, they're investigating, they're analyzing the situation. And then again, look at the woman. Tenderness, the way that she's holding his feet, the jar of ointment that probably represents a life savings. Uh, you can't really see it on the screen, but there is a tear running down her nose. So, like Jesus asked Simon a question in his little mini parable, I'll ask you, which one of these people is showing hospitality? It's the woman, right? She didn't have the house. She didn't have the food. She didn't have the servants. As far as I know, she wasn't invited. Um, but what she showed was love. And I have to admit, you know, it took me all week of like thinking through this before it finally clicked in my own head that hospitality is not about an event. Or even about like opening up and doing lots of events or, or, or whatever. But it's, it's about an attitude. <laughs> um, check this out. Something I found while I was trying to, while I was learning as much about this as I could. Uh, this is a website, Graceland. The lady that writes this website interviewed her mom, who she believed her mom was a very, the most hospitable person, and then distilled. Um, these ten thoughts, and I love some of these things. The first one at the very top of the list, hospitality is an attitude, not an action. And then the second one, true hospitality focuses on people and not on things. Um, and these are all great. Uh, the other one I want to call your attention to is the very bottom. Hospitality is a God-given gift for self and for others. Um, and this is, again, it's comforting to me because I think my own personality, my own nature, I like to have my own space, and my own time, and my own plans, uh, and bringing other people into that and involving others isn't something that always comes naturally to me, but it is, it is a gift of God. Um, and it's about attitude. It's about showing love. Let me show you this verse. The other thing that I looked at is um, with hospitality it's about how you treat others how you treat outsiders and God has a lot to say especially in the Old Testament when he's talking to the Israelites they're about to take the promised land and he gives them this law that's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of commands in it and some of them are like really nice and we like them in the Ten Commandments and other ones are really odd and arcane and we don't know what to do with them but one of the things that he spends a lot of time talking about is how are you going to treat other people? And other people in this context means people that are not Israelites, that are not natives, but for whatever reason are here. They're in this land, they're living with you, they're around you. Um, and he says lots of stuff. You can't have a separate law for them, they need to have the same law. Um, you, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're harvesting your grain or your olives or your 
uh, great. Don't take everything. Don't be super thorough. Leave some behind so that the alien, the, the, the non-native, can come through and take some of the leftover and have something to eat. Um, he even has special provisions in there for worship. If, if, the, if a resident alien wants to observe the Passover, they can. They have, as long as they follow all the rules, um, they can. Um, if they want to offer sacrifice, they are absolutely welcome to come and offer sacrifice to God. Um, the implication being that there's going to be people that are not Israelites that are living around there who are going to go, hey, I want to worship this God too. And he says, let them do it. This one is really striking to me, though, that I found in the middle of Leviticus. Has anyone ever read Leviticus? It is kind of a dry reading, uh, lots, of, lots of laws. Um, but this one right here in the middle, check this out. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen of me. You shall love the alien as yourself. If, for you are aliens in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. That's kind of like his punctuation mark, his exclamation point at the end of stuff that he really means. Like, you know, don't question I am the Lord your God. You will love the alien as yourself. You will love the outsider as yourself. You know, we talk a lot about you love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, we, have this, we need to have a very broad definition of what your neighbor is, and it could be anybody and everybody. We talk about the Good Samaritan, uh, you know, the Samaritan who was not, it was an outsider, but he acted like a neighbor. But this just cuts right through that and says, don't even worry about neighbor. These are the people that are not native, they're not part of your family, they're not part of your culture, they're not part of your religion, or part of your group, or anything. They are outsiders. And you are to love them as yourself. And, and again, I just I think that encapsulates hospitality so very well. Hospitality is something that in this definition is shown um, by a native, by a citizen, by a native to a foreigner. Um, throw that up on the screen for emphasis. Um, and I'm honing in on this. Because what I'm trying to do is really figure out the place now. We're talking about what hospitality is, what it is not, what it means to us, um, what it means to God. But why? Why is this important? Why, why, why do we fit this into our ministry, into our mission? What part of this is the kingdom coming into the world? And I think the key to it is in this statement that hospitality is something that is shown by a native to a foreigner. And the Apostle Paul, I think, helps me frame this even better with this statement that he made, uh, trying to prove a separate point, but it's still true. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says, You are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. And there's a lot of other places where we talk about our identity as children of God and as citizens in the kingdom of God. Um, that's just one example. But the idea is that we are the natives of the kingdom of God. We have put on the life of Jesus, those of us that have, and we follow him and we live in his kingdom, enjoying his fruits, his promised land. So it's only through our hospitality that other people, the aliens, um, the non-natives, the foreigners to God's kingdom have access to it. These are the people that are going to, you know, that, that we want to make sure we leave a little bit of the fruit of our labors behind so that they can have some. The people that might want to worship God with us, so, you know, let them. 
Um, the people that need to be treated as equals, the people that need to be loved as you would love somebody inside of the group. And that was kind of the, the final key to me, that hospitality, it's not just about throwing parties, it's not just about having a good time, it's not just about sacrificially giving of yourself, it's not just, it, it, it is about loving people, but it is about providing the gateway into God's kingdom, because it's the only way that people get in, um, is, is through what we can share with them. So, uh, as we transition to our time of communion, I just have one more little question to noodle on, and I'm not even going to come back to follow up. But just think about this uh, this week. You can talk about it a little bit as we transition back to whatever happens next. I don't have the order of worship in front of me, but something happens. How can I show the hospitality of the Lord to those who are strangers to his kingdom? What does that specifically look like? Um, We know people at work. We know people that we live with. Um, some people are in, some people are out. How do you, what, what, what exact, what, what does that really mean? Because this is a, you're using a lot of metaphor, a lot of vague language. So that's your homework. How does that specifically look? Um, and now I'd like to pray about it. Father, thank you so much for extending us your hospitality your grace, your love. Father, we are so wonderfully blessed to get to live today in your kingdom. And yet, Lord, we know that we also still live in this world that has fallen, that is struggling, and we live with people, God, and we are to be your messengers in this world. We are to be your hands and feet in this world. We are to love this world, the way that you love this world, the way that you love us. God, fill us with your spirit, your spirit of love that overflows from us. Father, help us as we, as we go about our lives to extend hospitality, to open the doors, the gates of your kingdom and welcome everyone in. Teach us what this means in our own individual contexts. And be with us and encourage us and empower us to do this. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.